Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to this very special World Cricket Show Christmas special. My name is Adam Bayfield, I'm your host, but I don't do this show on my own, even though many have suggested that it would be all the better for it. With me, as always, is Tony Kerr. You can't do it alone. You've tried and failed. <laughs> the thing is, you've got the key to the studio and you and you haven't told me where it is, so that that's a bit of a problem for me. It's an obstacle. How are you doing, Adam? You right? I'm all right, thanks, Tony. Merry Christmas to <laughs> and you. To you. Yeah, indeed. This is, as I say, the Christmas special it's the week of the before World Christmas. Show. It's come around again, our Christmas special, hasn't it? I feel we've become as integral to the uh, the festive season as Cliff Richard and eating too many mince pies. That's actually direct feedback. A number of people last year said that listening to our Christmas special was similar to the sensation of eating too many mince pies. Just bloated, stodgy, unappealing, sickening, nauseating. I quite like mince pies myself. Do people? Do they oh, I'm have not obsessed min- with them. I'm not obsessed with them. I didn't like, say you were obsessed with them. I didn't people accuse you of being obsessed with mince pies. Do they have mince pies like in America and elsewhere that people are listening to this? It's a good question. I've got no answers to that. What have we got lined up then on this Christmas special, Tane? We've got all kinds of celebrity guests waiting just outside the studio. Joe Pasquale's out there. Little Mix. The kid from Home Alone 3, he's out there. Dougie from McFly. <laughs> Two of the in-betweeners are there. And after weeks and weeks of ceaseless effort, I've managed to uh, finally track down Robert Downey Jr. <laughs> lookalike. He's going to be in the studio with us. He's actually, I mean, he's, he's from London. He sounds nothing like Robert Downey Jr., so the listeners won't be able to see that, but we'll know. We'll know, and we'll, I'll think I'm, you know, podcasting with Iron Man, but actually... <laughs> or Sherlock Holmes, of course. Yeah, or well, any of the other characters he's played. <laughs> the, the, uh, the cavalcade of characters that Robert Downey Jr. has portrayed over the years. The last five minutes of the show, Tony's got a speech reflecting on the true meaning of Christmas, and I'll be, uh, I'll be giving you a rendition of Oh Holy Night, so that's something to look forward to. But here and there, we will also be talking about cricket. We'll take a look at all the stuff, what's been going on around the world this week, including South Africa's win over Sri Lanka. We'll wheel out a couple of Side notes as well, and we'll be answering yet more of your questions on everybody's favourite item. Got a question? And Tony, there, a look of panic just <laughs> flashed into Tony's eyes because I'm going to guess that once again he's not brought any side notes, even though I specifically asked you to find some this week. Christmas isn't really a side note kind of time of year. I don't know what that means. We'll discuss it off air. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, we will. Yes, I've got we will. one or two things to say to you about that. I've got a festive joke for you, Tone. You ready for this? Yeah. Did you get it out of a cracker? I actually didn't. What do you call a rich elf? Uh, don't know. Wealthy. <laughs> yeah, I get it, obviously. <laughs> but uh, can you get a rich elf? Do, re- do elves get rich? They're normally giving things, aren't they? Yeah, so what you're saying is that the joke doesn't work. It just falls down on a number of levels. On a logistic level. Honestly, it's just not realistic, is it? On a socio-economic (sighs) level, the joke doesn't work. Well, anyway, more of those later on. Let's kick off the Christmas special 
with Around the World, the item where we look at things that have been happening around the world. Sri Lanka's tour of South Africa is underway, and the tourists have got off to an absolutely dreadful start. They were comprehensively dismantled in the first test at Centurion. They were put into bat by Graham Smith and were all out for just 180, with Vernon Philander taking 5 for 53 and Dale Steyn 4 for 18. In response, South Africa were in a spot of bother at one stage when they were 136 for 4, but in the end, they ended up surging past the Sri Lankan total, all out for 411, with A.B. De Villiers making 99, and half-centuries also for Mark Boucher and Graham Smith. Uh, and the second innings, the Sri Lankans really didn't put up much of a fight, all out for 150 in just 39 overs, with Philander collecting another five-wicket haul, 5 for 49 to give South Africa the victory by an innings and 81 runs. So prior to the series, I think most people expected it to be pretty one-sided. And at this point, that looks like quite an accurate assessment, you'd have to say. There's two test matches to go. It's really going to have to be quite a turnaround from Sri Lanka if they're going to avoid not just a defeat, but a whitewash. And so it's, it's yet another test defeat for, for the Sri Lankans. They really are struggling at the moment. They've now gone 15 tests without a win. Their last victory came in Matai Muralitharan's retirement game. Could you describe it as a crisis tone, do you think? Or would that be going too far? Yeah, cri- oh, people like the word crisis, don't they? I'd describe it more as a slide, I think. When's it going to stop? That's the question. That momentum is very much downwards at the moment. I mean, they managed to push this one to a third day, so, you know, made it competitive. Well least. done. I mean, crisis, yeah, probably. A little bit of a crisis. That's probably going to appear in the uh, the back pages of the, the, the papers over there. Crisis. <laughs> Sri Lanka in crisis. Says Kerr. Uh, they didn't put up much of a fight in this match. I mean, it's not just test matches, is it? They've, they're just losing everything. Well, since the World Cup final, they've rather lost their way in all forms of the game. That period of time coincides with Tilakratni Dilshan taking over the captaincy. Can he be held to account for some of this, or, or would that be unfair to pin it on him? We well, got 12 runs in this match in two innings, so from a personal standpoint, he won't be too pleased with that. But uh, he's not got a huge amount to work with in the bowling department at the moment, and no one's getting any runs. So you, you look at that, that batting lineup and you think uh, they shouldn't be losing too many tests, should they? They should be able to bat out quite a, long, a lot of time, but I think they, they lasted about 70 overs in this match yeah it was less than one full wickets. day that they yeah. batted for the loss of 20 wickets yeah I mean their, their batting lineup on paper looks fantastic and they should be posting I mean, that batting scores. lineup yeah that batting lineup is not a batting lineup that's changed much has it really in the last three four years Dilshan Pranavatana uh, Sangakkara Jayawarna Samarawira is one of the best top fives in world cricket but in this game and in the series in Pakistan as well, they've really struggled to put totals on the board. And certainly Dilshan is one of the most culpable for that. He got off to a great start as captain with his 185 at Lords against England earlier this year. But since then, his form has completely plummeted and he's been shunted up and down the order. He was actually at number five in the series against Pakistan. And in this game, he played an absolutely awful shot in the first innings. And he does look a bit at sea with both the bat and the armband. However, I think you're right that it, he doesn't. It would probably be unfair to uh, to blame him too much. I think some Sri Lankan fans actually blame Kumar Sangakkara uh, because they feel that you know he kind of abandoned the team after the World Cup in the sense that he stood down from the captaincy. That was for a, a very personal, some might say selfish reason that he just didn't want to do it anymore. But actually, he should have looked around at the, I guess, dearth of under, other candidates and said the, the best thing for Sri Lanka would be for me to continue. Perhaps a bit harsh to blame Sangakkara when he is streets ahead of 
everyone else on the team apart from Jai Wardner uh, as as the best player in it. One of the biggest problems is surely that they're not being paid. Uh, the Sri Lankan players haven't received any paychecks since the World Cup. Do you think that that might be uh, part of the reason for their struggles? Oh, I mean, yeah, people find it hard enough to you know, concentrate and get excited about work when they're getting paid to it. So, you know, not getting paid, I would imagine... Not only is a distraction, but you know, it certainly undermines what they're trying to do. I think a lot of people would probably raise their eyebrows at you using the word work there, because a lot of people would say, oh, I'd absolutely kill to play uh, cricket for a living. I mean, even if you're not being paid for a long time to, to do that as your life, a lot of people would love to do that. I think it would be wrong to suggest that they're not trying or that they, that they would only try if they're being compensated for it. That's pretty ridiculous. And for one thing, as we've identified already, there are fairly evident on-field reasons for their troubles as you say the lack of any high quality bowlers being perhaps the the most prominent example um but you'd have to think that it's probably not helping their their lack of paychecks because no matter how much you love your job if you haven't been paid a penny for it since april uh you'd probably be a bit annoyed and then i think it, it creates a bit of a downward spiral because once you start to lose it must be difficult to get motivated if you're not even getting paid to lose so i do think that it, it must be a problem for them and the, the sooner they resolve that, the better. The Sri Lankan cricket board, uh, yet another board, you know, just covering themselves in glory. We did at one stage uh, talk about um, introducing an item on this show called something like "Which is the worst board?" And we just sort just of imaginatively titled go through each uh, cricket board in the world and try and work out which was the most ridiculous. And I think it would be quite a close contest because there's the Sri Lankan cricket board, uh, the Pakistan cricket board, of course, the West Indies cricket board. In some ways, the BCCI is probably the most ridiculous. Yeah, there's not a lot really <laughs> to be proud about. I don't not know what it is with. about cricket boards that they're just inherently useless. <laughs> then, of course, there's the ICC. I mean, who would walk away with the title if you, <laughs> could, like... if you could classify them as a cricket? Board. Board. The grand fromage of really bad boards. They're just yeah, they are just an enormously bad board, aren't they? <laughs> the worst board since your body board, eh? Your yeah, your bodyboarding skills, something like that. There's a joke yeah, in there somewhere. You can listeners can put it together themselves. <laughs> You've got the building blocks. So Sri Lanka have had a nightmare start. South Africa, meanwhile, must be on a bit of a high because uh, they did perform very impressively in this game. It's three years since they last won a series at home, uh, but if they don't manage to win this one, I think there'll be some serious questions asked because at this point they look much too good for the Sri Lankans. Vernon Philander has now collected four fifers in his first three tests. He's only the third bowler in history to do that. Remarkable stuff, really. Is he the final piece in the jigsaw for South Africa? Is he the the extra thing that they didn't have, I guess, since Makaya and Tini retired? They've They've lacked a, a real incisive third seamer. They've experimented with lots of different people like uh, Ryan McLaren and Albie Morkland on the Wildboat Sorby. If Philander nails down that spot, is that the, uh, the, the last piece of the puzzle for South Africa? Uh, very possibly. Bigger tests await him, for sure. Uh, you know, we've, seen, we've seen players you know, burst onto a scene and do, do very well for a brief amount of time, but maybe you know, at some point it will fall away. But you know, you'd say at the moment it looks very good. Definitely gives the South Africans a bit more to work with. You know, Morkel coming on first change gives them a bit of depth. They didn't have before. I mean, we haven't really seen Tahir. Hasn't really given had a chance, has he? Well, and that's because the pitches have been nicely suited to the fast bowlers, and I think that is something that will be interesting to watch with Philander as he goes forward, because he will have to bowl on much more difficult wickets than the three that he's been presented with so far in his career. But take nothing away from him, I think, because yes, he's been bowling on helpful wickets, but he's out bowled uh, Morkel, and to an extent, he's out bowled Stain on those wickets, and they're both vastly more experienced than he is. Um, so I, I actually think the England think tank should be a bit worried about him because obviously there's the the series in England against South Africa um, in in the middle of 2012 and he looks like he's going to be a real handful in English conditions 
He's just signed a contract with Somerset to play the early part of the season for them. So he'll be accustomed to the conditions as well when that series comes around. I think he could be a real weapon for South Africa in that series. And they're, they're going to have to sort of study the videos and so forth of him, the England backroom star, because he's been bowling some fantastic deliveries in the three test matches that he's played. Yeah, I mean, it does. It really does set that series up, doesn't it, to be a real humdinger? Uh, one potential problem for them uh, is Mornay Morkel, who had a bit of a game to forget in Centurion. He only picked up one wicket in the match and, and was just pretty rubbish, to be honest, overall. He bowled so many no balls, including one in the first innings that produced a slip catch that then obviously didn't count. He took a lot of flack in this game from the South African commentators. It was basically all that anyone was talking about was Mornay Morkel. Like, even if he wasn't bowling, hadn't been bowling for 10 overs, the camera was just fo- <laughs> focusing on him, standing at fine leg with his hands on his hips, and they were talking about Morkel. I guess he was probably the only South African in this game to not perform, probably bound to attract some attention. We know this with England players, don't we, that if, if the England team's doing well and one person is doing not quite so well, then there's a lot of um, attention on them. That has to be something for people like us to talk about. But I'm not sure that all of that criticism is completely merited. I mean, yes, he had a poor game and he does look very short of confidence at the moment, but he is still the number three bowler in the world in Test cricket. And that's not for no reason. You know, he's ahead of a lot of very, very good bowlers. And that's because he's been fantastic for quite a long time. He's allowed to have a poor game. He's probably allowed to have a poor series. I think he's a confidence bowler and he's therefore prone to the odd bad trot like this, but he will get it back. I don't think there should be any doubting his credentials. Yeah, that you know that makes the performances of Philander all the more important, all the more so timely because yeah, it's allowed Morkel to have a break. Yes, because if, if they still had Ryan McLaren as the third seamer and he was you know being fairly moderate, let's say, um, that if Morkel's struggling, then their bowling attack looks a bit weak. But with Philander there now, yeah, Morkel can have a bad series and it doesn't matter too much. But when he does get it together, then I think this South African pace attack is going to be pretty frightening. There was one uh, one talking point in the South African innings, which was uh, when Aby de Villiers was dismissed for 99. I don't know if you saw this incident. Um, basically, he slapped a catch to backward point and was caught by the substitute fielder Dimuth Karunaratna. Um, it looked like the ball might not have carried, but de Villiers didn't wait for the television replays. He just asked the fielder, did that carry? The fielder said yes, and he walked off. What do you make of that? Do you think that's something that should be applauded, given that if de Villiers had waited for the replays, he probably would have been reprieved. In fact, almost certainly would have been reprieved. We see this all the time, that it's just almost always inconclusive. Do you think that's something that should be encouraged for other batsmen to do? It's good. It's tidy. It's fair. And the cricket loves the spirit, doesn't it? Loves a bit of spirit. Uh, so, you know, that's slap bang in the, right in the middle of hits the heart of spirit of the game. It's the sort of thing that commentators absolutely love like whatever the opposite of turning in your grave is that's what uh, resting peacefully <laughs> that's what Gower and boycott and I mean know, yeah Gower is sleeping well at night at the yeah moment. that's yeah. what they're all doing after watching that they do love it good good to respect the honesty of the fielder yeah always in these circumstances I don't think you can really blame a fielder for uh, you know for, for going up when they think they've caught it because it's very, sometimes very difficult to know you know you can feel very confident but then maybe you, yeah, you see a TV replay and think well how did that guy think he caught it? From a, from the team's perspective, yeah, maybe they'd rather. If you're looking for the win, you'd rather, yeah, you'd rather refer that. Wait and see what the umpire's, you know, the umpire watching the TV's got to say. It's certainly an admirable thing for De Villiers to do, um, especially because he was on 99. I think there's very, very few people uh, that would have done that. Not in this day and age, am I right? Um, but I'm not sure that I'd be encouraging that if I was an international coach. In fact, I think if I was um, Gary Kirsten, the South African coach, I would have been quite annoyed with him. Because why should you take the word of the fielder? I understand it's like the traditional thing to do. And as I say, the, the, the sort of purists 
think you should do. But actually, the fielder would have to be extremely honest, a lot more honest than I think most human beings are, to say, no, it didn't carry, if there's any doubt. He's not only just um, thinking about it on a personal level that he wants to take the catch, he wants to be the one that took the catch, but also he's got to turn around to his teammates and if if he's just reprieved the guy who's slapping them all over the park at the moment because he said it didn't carry, I would imagine quite a lot of his teammates are going to be quite annoyed with him. There's a lot of pressure on the fielder to say, yes, it carried. Uh, And we saw this uh, in the Ashes, you might remember Philip Hughes claiming a catch off Ian Bell at short leg that bounced a yard in front of him. I mean, that's an exaggeration, but it bounced inches in front of him and on the replay, it was just so obviously not out. But Hughes celebrated and was trying to claim the catch. I really don't think that if I were the batsman, that I would take the word of the fielder. I, they've got to give me a reason to, I would say. Yeah, no, I agree with that. There's there's definitely more pressure on the fielder, particularly in a losing situation as, as they were. Well, it's the sort of thing that, you know, Gower and Boycott or whatever would say, oh, well, in my day, we just take the word of the... We'd ask the fielder, and if the fielder <laughs> said like I caught it... We knew when we hit it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. They'd say, you know, we'd ask the fielder... If he said he caught it, we walked off. It's like, well, probably he was lying. (laughs) You know, it's why did you take, why did you accept that as being true? Um, I mean, I understand it. It's a very sort of, it's a nice thing about cricket that, you know, it's, it's it's that, oh, that's proper cricket sort of thing. But actually it it doesn't really make much sense when you think about it, when the, when the television replays are there. I guess the problem is that those replays are so inconclusive. And I think probably quite a few batsmen have been reprieved on television replays that shouldn't have been. But I don't really know what you can do about that. There's also, I guess, a a small danger that players can sort of start to deliberately cultivate reputations for this sort of thing. So ask a fielder and walk off when it doesn't matter so much. So in a situation where your side's, say, 500 for three and you're on 120, if you edge the ball and it's a low catch, you just ask the fielder and walk off. But then if it's 19 for three, you don't do that. And then when the third umpire is looking at the television replays, he might have that in the back of his head as being, well, this batsman would have would have walked off if he wasn't sure that it hadn't carried. Uh, and it's a similar thing. Good old, to- good, good old fashioned bit of Christmas cynicism there <laughs> yeah. from Bayford. Scrooge. Yeah, very Scroogey. I'm yeah. like Michael Caine in the Muppets Christmas Carol. <laughs> Handbag. Um, uh, I think that's something that possibly has happened in the past when, yes. when players walked as well. Like if, if they you know, walk for an edge or something that you can do it in a situation where it doesn't matter too much because then if you don't do it, the umpire can start to think, oh, well, he's a walker. He would go if he... Get a good reputation early, yeah, and you'll just do what you want after that. That, That's the way way you live your life. Yeah, exactly. When you start a new job or or anything like that. Yeah, just give yourself six months. (laughs) And then, 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 yeah. After that, you can just do what you want. (laughs) Uh, Shall we we leave South Africa and cross over, cross over the Indian Ocean to. to Australia? Uh, where a four-test series between Australia and India is about to start. It all kicks off on Boxing Day, uh, which, of course, in England is actually Christmas night. Is that what you're going to be doing with your family, just Christmas night, curl up on the sofa? Not watch. with my family, no. I'll be, I'll be, uh, I'll just be there on my own. <laughs> just like, just, yeah, just, I am just, like, I'm like Michael Caine in The Muppets Christmas Carol, but sort of before he has the revelation, I suppose. Well, because the rest of the day I'll just be watching uh, DVDs of uh, test matches of the past that's that's really how I spend my Christmas I've never, I've never looked but you know you can get online you can order people will sell you DVDs of like 
online, yes, they will. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, like, you know, Borussia Mönchengladbach versus, like, Schalke from 1972, just like a cut, like a league game or something. Uh, so I mean, that's what I'm going to eat for Christmas. I'm going to get you some, like, the complete test series from, like, 1968, just like a really inane series. Look out for that as a giveaway on a future <laughs> yeah. World Cup show January, competition. The first week of, uh, of 2012, yeah. It's coming at you. Unwatched. <laughs> um, but yes, I think this should be a fascinating series, Australia and India. Both sides are in a, a state almost of flux at the moment. Uh, not quite sure where they are, I would suggest. Uh, both have got pastings by England fresh in the memory banks, but some good results since then. Can I get a prediction from you on this series, Tone? You can certainly try. Uh, this is me trying now. 2-0 India. Wow. Don't expect the Australians to, to win a test. Do you not think the Australian bowlers are capable of taking 20 Indian wickets? I don't wickets? know. I, don't, I, just, I just feel 2-0, Scott. I just came to you in a vision. Yeah, it just arrived to me in a Christmas vision. Uh, I'm just going to put Christmas in front of just any word, really. <laughs> <laughs> just, to make it, just to make it topical. Okay. Yeah. What's your Christmas prediction? My Christmas prediction uh, is a two-all draw. Wow. I don't really see uh, any uh, drawn games in this series. I think India are probably slightly the better side. I think their bowling attack isn't very good, but I think it's going to be much more effective against the Australian batting lineup than it was against the English batting lineup. I'd have concerns about Australia taking 20 wickets, but then, you know, with uh, Pattinson and Nathan Lyon, who started his career very well, and then the flip side to that being that some of the Indian batsmen aren't in the best form i could see them winning a couple of games especially because they've got home advantage so your your favorite uh dan christian is the name that's been banded about i said a potential debutant. i said it must have been what about a year ago uh I, I just stuck my neck out and said that uh dan christian would never amount to anything um either, either in cricket or just, just <laughs> whatever he attempts to achieve in life i'm getting a bit nervous now i'll be honest because he is in a test squad and he's the sort of player that will probably come in and do really well. <laughs> He's just got that feeling about him, hasn't he? We'll dig that. We'll dig that bit of audio out for the... Uh, can you dig that out? I could dig that out, but I'm not going to. Um, well, just you know, scrap your Christmas lunch. Just do, spend, your, spend your Christmas afternoon trawling through <laughs> previous episodes of the, the podcast for Dan Christian's name. That was my plan anyway. To yeah, be that's a good day. So that's about it for our trip around the world this week. Let's leave Australia and cross back to Guernsey and carry on with the show, shall we? It was nice, actually, to get away, you know. It's that time again, Tone. It's time for Got A Question. Play that jingle. Uh, So on this item, we say to listeners, have you got a question for us? And occasionally, some of them reply, yes, we do have a question. Could you answer it for us? And that's what me and Tony do. We try and answer them. So we got a two-part question from Alex on Facebook. Firstly, how would you explain to a six-year-old what a googly is? And secondly, how would you explain to a six-year-old what Guernsey is? Shall we tackle the second question first? What, what is Guernsey? It, it being, of course, the place where we live and record this show. I mean, it is the spiritual home of the World Creek Show, isn't it? And it, the, it's the physical it's home the physical of the World Creek Show. Home. I thought you were going to say it's the spiritual home of cricket. Well, not quite. It's the beating heart of the cricketing world, really, isn't it? Uh, how would I describe it to a six-year-old? Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know. I wouldn't use any long words. 
You don't really know how to talk to children, though, do you? I'd probably start with basic uh, punctuation. I'd send to school. Like, <laughs> I'd say, come back when you're eight. You'd, <laughs> you've got like a basic grasp of you know, grammar. The map. Well, no, I think it's quite easy, actually, to explain Guernsey to a six-year-old. I think you'd just say, Guernsey is a bailiwick that's a crown dependency of the United Kingdom. Uh, it's part of the British Isles, but not part of Britain, uh, where the Queen is the head of state, but it does have its own constitutional government, or states, if you will, made up of various deputies. That's probably what I'd say. I think that, that would be. I think that's just a, a neat summary of it. I don't see how he could have any follow-up questions. There. <laughs> no. um, going back to Alex's other question, how do you explain to a six-year-old what a googly is? Um, I think that's actually quite a serious point embedded in this question somewhere, uh, which is to do with the accessibility well, how do you of to anyone as a sport. Yeah, well, how would you describe it to anyone, but t- particularly to children, if you're trying to. Um, get new people and get kids into cricket. I'd say it probably is at a slight disadvantage compared to a lot of other sports like, say, football or tennis or athletics, which have complicated aspects, but the basic principles are are reasonably self-evident once you've been watching for about five minutes. And that just isn't really true of cricket, is it? I mean, I'd say with cricket, there has to be some kind of initiation process. Like, unless you're extraordinarily patient... At some stage, someone's going to have to sit down and explain quite a few of the rules and the terminology to you, or you're going to have to you know, go to the library and get a book, uh, or I suppose in this day and age, do a Google search and read quite a lot about it. And that, and that just isn't really true of a lot of other sports. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. You could reasonably expect, if you sat down and watched cricket for the first time, you could reasonably expect a commentator to say a sentence like this. You've written this yourself. I've written this down, yeah. He's up to the wicket, he bowls. It's the attempted deucer, but it ends up a half-tracker that just kisses the surface. The batsman punches off the back foot, just evading silly point, and out to deep extra cover. Who throws in, and the keeper whips the bails off. What does that mean? It all makes perfect sense if you've been initiated, but it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever. It's not the Masons. (laughs) (laughs) But it makes absolutely no sense whatsoever if you haven't. And I think that that is a slight problem with cricket. It's a problem for some other sports as well, like rugby. But I would argue that cricket has to be up there as one of the most, if not the most, confusing. Would you agree or, or perhaps disagree? Yeah, agreed. I mean, I, I don't. I, I still am baffled. Well, I'm not baffled actually. That's I'm quite. You know, I'm a competent young man. <laughs> yeah. uh, it's not how most people would but, describe uh, it. Yeah, I would say I'd say rugby. There's a lot of particular jargon and particular randomness about rugby that is, is maybe not immediate. But yeah, I'd say cricket is probably probably top, isn't it? And is that a problem for you know for trying to spread cricket around the world? Because I mean, it, it's a simple glance at the list of countries that play cricket. 
will tell you that it's all just former British colonies. And so you kind of get the feeling that cricket took root there because the British absolutely forced it to. Um, whereas something like football just spreads around the world very organically because it's such an easy sport to get into, such an easy sport to pick up. Uh, and if you're looking at the sort of long-term survival of the of the game, is its inaccessibility a problem? Definitely. There's no doubt about that. We talked last week about you know the next test nation, but uh, you know, the, the candidates are so few. To get anyone even up to the level, or to get a country up to the level of competing on a world stage with the pre-existing test teams or the pre-existing international teams, uh, it's just re- require a lot of expatriates, isn't it? And time. I mean, obviously, enough people get over that problem of inaccessibility around the world. You do get new people getting into cricket all the time. Um, but it is a barrier, I think. And it, you do wonder how many sort of potential cricket fans get turned off by terms like googly. I suppose the flip side to it is that you could argue that once people have been initiated, they love it all the more. It is that level of complexity that makes cricket so passionately loved. I mean, obviously, people love football, people love rugby, people love baseball, people love all sports. But there, there is a, a, a particularly... Yeah, there's a real um, depth in there and a real richness of purely really historical there yeah. is so much to it isn't there if you started cricket now i mean yeah the word googly would probably take it would be, be a number of years before that you know, came up in conversation i think <laughs> but it's just the fact that it's been played for 150 years well internationally yeah 150 years yeah. but yeah maybe a lot you know that's that's a, a real it's been a real breeding ground for jargon and Googly's just part of that, isn't it? And everyone likes to feel that they're part of a club, don't they? And uh, I guess being someone who knows about cricket, you are in a club that isn't necessarily a club that everyone in the world is part of. And that in itself probably makes people that do like cricket love cricket. There's a song about that, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I've heard that actually a few times. Just look at the Wikipedia page for Googly. It's, it's definitive, so... Oh, you were not going to... I thought you were going to quote from it. No, I'm going to read it out. I'm just going to say, uh, you know, six-year-olds by now, in this day and age, are very au fait with the internet more than you. Most of them more so than uh, than me, yeah, or than, yeah. than uh, certainly than a generation up from yeah, me. Yeah, so, uh, so I'd say Google it. Was I telling Googly, you about... Googly. Um, friend of ours was telling me a story uh, that his, his mother uh, went to buy a new iPhone and went to the shop and uh, the sort of shop assistant was very, very enthusiastic about iPhones and all Apple products and um, was sort of saying, look, and with this app, like you can, you know, you point it at a plane that's going by and it'll tell you what plane that is. Uh, with this app, you know, you can point it at the night sky, it'll tell you the constellations. With this app, another amazing thing. Uh, and <laughs> she sort of listened to all this and went, hmm, yeah. Um, is there a function that shows the date? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, think, to me, kind of epitomises quite a lot of uh, of the way people think. And yeah, I don't, I don't think six-year-olds have that problem, really, do they? No, they're just taking their stride, don't they? So read Wikipedia, people. We've got a question from Stephen on the email. What is the story behind why, if the ball pitches outside leg stump, it can't be given LBW? Is it time to scrap that rule? As you might be aware, Tony, a batsman cannot be out LBW if the ball pitches outside leg stump i guess this is another one of those things about cricket one of those rules that might seem baffling to new fans that would certainly have to be explained to people i think the law was originally devised to try and discourage bowlers from bowling a leg side line all the time i guess if you think back to when you used to bat tone if you can remember that yeah it's going back a few years um when the when the ball pitches outside off as a batsman you've got a lot more options open to you with what to do with it than it does if it pitches outside leg 
So I think sort of back in the day when they came up with this rule, it was seen as being not a fair contest if bowlers were just pitching outside leg stump all the time. But I'm not sure that that's necessarily the case anymore with all the innovations that have been added to stroke play. I'd say that that, that probably isn't true anymore. And so I don't think it's I don't just think it's time to scrap the rule. I think that scrapping the rule is actually long overdue. Bold. Yeah, well, because firstly, I think you know, generally speaking, it's not a fair contest between bat and ball anymore anyway, certainly in limited overs cricket. It's very heavily weighted to the batsman, isn't it? And and in test cricket, as we've talked about all the time, uh, flat pitches have, have made it largely a batsman's game. So I think this would be one way of evening things up, just introducing a, a new rule that gives bowlers essentially another way of taking a wicket. Do you think that would encourage bowlers to have a more slingy action? You can imagine Malinga running in uh, to you know bowling to a right-hander coming around the wicket horizontally, releasing the ball horizontally and really bringing it into the legs. Very difficult to face that. That's very true, yeah. Um, but why should that be against the rules? No, no, of but would that not be almost unplayable, though, you'd think? Not necessarily. I mean, people would find a way to deal with it, surely. They'd, they'd start taking a guard outside leg stump or they'd start playing uh, switch hits every ball or whatever. I mean, they, they'd have to find a way to deal with it. If, essentially, I think if, you're, if, if you bowl a ball and it's going to hit the stumps and a batsman's legs get in the way, why should that not be out? I mean, I, I might be missing something here and listeners should feel free to... to let me know but surely if you're going to have a rule that leg before wicket is out then why should it not be out if it pitches outside leg stump it does seem faintly ridiculous to me it's also i think because the rule was devised essentially without left-handed players in mind because if you're a left arm spinner or a left arm seamer or indeed a right armer bowling to a left-hander um, I think it's actually really difficult to get an LBW because the ball almost always pitches outside leg stump. So that does lead to a situation where, you know, say batsmen playing to left arm spinners, uh, just kicking the ball away for like an entire over. And I think there's actually something deeply wrong with that because it does mean essentially there's a rule in the game that protects batsmen, that enables them to not have to use their bat. Yeah, it's quite, it's quite, it's a rule that's pretty hard baked into the game, like scrapping the offside rule in football. These are fundamental rules. Do you think we should be messing with them at this late stage? Well, yes, I can see that. Yeah, you could argue it's an unnecessary upsetting of the apple cart. But then, I mean, it happens all the time where you're watching someone bowl and there's an LBW shout. And in this day and age, if it goes to the DRS and they look at the pitch mat and it's, you know, it's such a good delivery. Maybe it's a you know right armer swinging the ball, swinging the ball towards the offside. And it's just going to cannon into middle stump and it hits the batsman's pad but it pitched an inch outside leg stump. Is that not ridiculous that that's not out? Well, yeah, maybe just widen the uh, widen that sort of wicket-to-wicket corridor by two inches either side. Well, you could do that if you're going to refer every LBW decision to the third umpire, but you couldn't really do that with a, a human umpire because they don't have that pitch mat in their no. head. Painted on. Yeah, why not? Look a bit silly, wouldn't it? Now... Gower and boycott attorney. <laughs> no, this is this is the point where Gower's switched off. <laughs> <laughs> he's put the headphones. Uh, he's put the headphones away and he's gone to bed. <laughs> the side notes now, on which we discuss some of the more offbeat stories of the cricketing week. Got a couple of articles for you this week, Tone. This one comes from crickinfo.com. Fire Brigade calls Warn. This relates to something that we discussed last week, Tony, you might remember. Shane Warne's cooking injury, a burnt finger that put in doubt his Big Bash participation, has made him one of many who will suffer kitchen-related incidents over the festive season. Springing on the opportunity for some publicity, the London Fire Brigade have asked Warne to help push their Christmas safety campaign. 
So basically, Warren uh, burnt his hand while cooking and put a picture on, on Twitter that looked fairly horrific, actually. I, yeah. I, I think, yeah, disgusting, actually. <laughs> One of the more um, unsettling things that I saw last week. So he posted the picture and he also said in a tweet, No more trying to be a master chef. Stop and buy a bacon roll on the way to the ground next time. The London Fire Brigade responded on Twitter, At Warren888, We agree, you should have got a bacon roll instead. Back our Christmas have a takeaway campaign. Ron Dobson, the London Fire Brigade commissioner, said, I'm not for one minute suggesting that Shane Warne had too much to drink when he burnt his hand, but we know that many people will start fires or have accidents in their kitchen this Christmas after having a few too many drinks. If you've had too much to drink, don't go home thinking you're on MasterChef. Too many fires start when someone has passed out, leaving a pizza in the oven or a pan on the hob, and it can be fatal. If people are planning a big night out, they should plan on having a takeaway on the way home. Shane should back our campaign so that he can help prevent other people being as silly as him. Great story, that. Have a takeaway. You're backing that campaign, I see, Tone, because you, you got a takeaway on your night out last week. Oh, God, did I? You did, indeed. Oh, I don't remember you that. You probably don't even remember. Uh, no, I think I it gave, good. I gave you a lift home and we stopped at a uh, uh, faintly disreputable takeaway joint to, uh, to get you a, a chicken baguette and some chips. And the woman handed you your uh, your thing of chips, and she was probably she was probably about a meter away from you, and she went, "Do you want any sauce, love?" And you went, "Ketchup, darling, lots of it." I do, uh, yeah, I do kind of go into character at that point. <laughs> it's just oh, the character is annoying idiots, really. really, really obnoxious and irritating man. Uh, it's it's amazing actually because your entire approach to a night out on the weekend is an uh, it's an unbelievable parody of an incredibly uh, obnoxious person. Yeah, it's it's. Uh, I mean, it's it's for a role I'm uh, I'm going to be playing <laughs> next year. You're a regular Al Pacino. Too. I am. I've got a worn side note. Have you? I thought you didn't have any side notes. Well, that's what I told you to try. It's just a joke, really. Is it this one that I've just <laughs> I've just done? Because it's the the London Fire Brigade thing. It's not this, no. Uh, I know you weren't listening there. It is. Shane Warne predicts taking Wicket live on TV. What percentage of our side notes would you say it revolve around Shane Warne? It is. It must uh, be above 30. It's high, isn't it? It is very high. If you saw the wagon wheel of side notes, <laughs> like Shane Warne's sort of segment would be, would be pretty large, wouldn't it? Shane Warne predicts taking Wicket on live TV. Then does it next ball. Uh, as you know, the Big Bash League got underway this week. Um, we, we didn't really draw those teams out for ourselves, did we, that we no, promised we on last week's show? Are we going to rectify that at any point? I think we'll rectify it. It goes yeah. on until January the 28th. <laughs> there's no just, rush. There's absolutely there. no rush. There's no rush. Good to get, I think, good to see you know, where the teams are at because then it'd be all the more funny when you draw the team who's bottom. <laughs> or alternatively, you know, we can we can do the old freezer trick, you know, put, put some of the names <laughs> yeah. in the freezer beforehand. <laughs> Bits so, of paper in the freezer. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, he was, he was mic'd up, wasn't he, Warren? They should have just given him a, like, he should have just been out there with his blackberry or something, tweeting. Like, it would be <laughs> probably more was. Probably yeah. was, yeah. yeah. He was having a chat with the the commentators. I'll do. I do. It's a great innovation. Well, say innovation. Probably too kind a word for it. I think, but it, yeah, it did make me laugh when they first introduced it. Uh, I, Probably wasn't like a Sky Sports thing first, but anyway, when they when they brought it in over here in the county matches, and they were like Bumble talking to you know the skipper, and the, the the person on the pitch would have no interest in talking to Bumble whatsoever. It wouldn't necessarily be Bumble; it'd be it, it was more likely to be someone like Paul Allett, like, <laughs> you know, really far down the Sky roster. Yeah, and they'd be saying like, "Oh, so um, how do you see the match progressing from here?" And the, the guy would just be like setting the field. The guy's like, "Oh yeah, it's just, like, just, just like no further, further what." 
<laughs> How do you <laughs> see the match like, progressing from here? What? Come back to Ali be like, great banter then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, Warren was chatting and he was asked about his next delivery to Brendan McCullum. Uh, and he said, I think he might be trying to, to shape to sweep one after that first one. Uh, so I'll try and slide one in there fast. That's not an accident at all. But right. I've just thrown a, a hint of an accident there. I'll try and slide one in there fast. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, and then, yeah, that's really bad. He swept it, and uh, and Warren cleaned up the middle stump, took it home with him. Uh, anyway, Ryan Harris is quoted after this as saying, "They seem to do that. Those legends of the game." <laughs> that sounds like the start of a poem. <laughs> and he carried on calling the ball. They're going to bowl, and then bowling it. I recall Glenn McGrath doing the same thing a few years ago. Anyway, there you go. You didn't you didn't think I'd have one? I didn't think you'd have one, but you've proven me wrong. Well done, Tony. You managed to find an article on the internet <laughs> this week. Uh, yeah. I've got one final side note from the New Zealand Herald. Standing ovation on plane for victorious Black Caps. While there might not have been a crowd to greet the Black Caps at the airport, Captain Ross Taylor said team members were given a standing ovation on their plane back from Australia. There were about five rows in the front and a couple of obviously cricket fans got up and cheered. It was a pretty moving moment, but it just shows what cricket does mean to a few people and hopefully we can keep putting smiles on their faces. He said, the victorious Black Caps arrived home last night, much to the delight of loved ones. Usually, the Black Caps returned from tests in Australia defeated, but last night they held their heads high. Two days after their seven-run victory over Australia, the team was still on a high as they arrived in Auckland Airport on three different flights. Captain Ross Taylor and fast bowler Chris Martin landed at 8.30pm. Doug Bracewell, hero of the match, but denied the Man of the Match award, was expected to arrive on a different, later flight. It's a good rundown of the, the Black Caps itinerary here. Adam. <laughs> I think probably... It's a surprisingly detailed <laughs> uh, like, sort of itinerary. It's like, yeah, um, Daniel Vittori had an 11-minute delay on his flight. But so uh, basically, Bracewell was uh, not given the Man of the Match award, despite bowling his team to victory. Um, they gave it instead to David Warner for his unbeaten century. Uh, but that is because the way that Man of the Match awards are decided in Australia... The Australian public vote for it on Channel 9. And some of the New Zealand backroom staff and players were quite annoyed about this. Assistant coach Trent Woodhill said the decision was bizarre. Cricket Australia Chief Executive James Sutherland said it would revert to an expert's choice in future games following the outcry. Yeah, I think that's correct. It's a bit of a nonsense to have a public vote. All public votes represent like a nonsense, really. The, the X factor, am I right? <laughs> oh, sorry, saying that we've got little mix outside. The listeners are probably wondering when we are going to get these celebrity guests in, given that it's, we're rapidly running I mean, out of time we, yeah, on this episode. Well, yeah, you know, uh, you know, we've got to be out of the studio quite soon, so be, we'll try and keep them, keep them back for next Trouble week. is, we're just so goddamn entertaining, the two of us. Yeah, know, there's so much cricket to talk about. That hard to fit in, Jay Pasquale. I don't know what he knows about cricket either. I can't really do a Jay Pasquale impression, otherwise no, I'd, I'd do one try. here. Just to Can you do a Little Mix impression? No. Who else did I say? The kid from Home Alone. The in-betweeners. I'd just say something that wasn't funny, eh? That'd be my impression. Yeah, well, that's good. Probably alienated quite a few of my yeah, listeners. In between is a very popular program. I think that'd be. I think we should do a series. Uh, well, if we ever did get sponsored by an airline, that would be a great place to interview cricketers. I think is on the plane. Seems to be a lot of. It seems to be a real focus for uh, sort of banter and. Bearing in mind that I've probably cut out the seven or eight minute segment where you were going on about <laughs> how we should get a sponsor by an airline, the listeners aren't going to understand that reference at all. <laughs> I would almost certainly have cut out that bit given that you were just wittering on and on and even I'd stop listening. So <laughs> I tried to think what would have happened to the listener. So basically, I feel like we need a, you know, a big, you know, big glamorous carrier to sponsor us. Uh, I'm thinking Emirates. Yeah, they like sponsoring stuff in cricket. 
they can actually you know, turn around the world into sort of less a cricket segment, more sort of a travel slash cricket segment. <laughs> so, so we would actually go to these places. Yeah, but I'm imagining... I'm not sure how we'd fit this in with like work and stuff. Yeah, we'll think about that later. But I'm imagining, yeah, we could do a segment about, you know, where we interview, we join uh, a team as they're either going out on tour or coming back. If we had to, if we had to speak to New Zealand players, uh, we'd probably have to go on different flights, it would seem. Well, you're nothing if not ambitious, Tone, I'll give you that. I know. Anyway, should we, uh, should we wrap this one up, Adam, and pop it under the tree? It is the perfect Christmas gift, really, isn't it, the, this episode of the World Cricket Show? Load it onto your, your, your friend or spouse's iPod. I mean, do you remember when they, they started trying to sell uh, albums you know, on like a USB pen? No. Well, anyway, that's what they tried to do, didn't they? Uh, I don't know, did they? <laughs> well, they, they did. Perhaps for next Christmas, <laughs> you know, even further down the, the line of awkward sort of digital forays into trying to make money, uh, we could we could release a best of the World Creature on USB stick. <laughs> so you could actually best buy... Best of the World Creature. <laughs> yeah. <Or> just... Slim <laughs> pickings, to be honest. Or, uh, yeah, and then, then you've actually got something physical to, to put under the tree. Christmas Eve or Christmas morning, sneak down uh, early, you know, get, charge your iPod up, load up the latest episode, of the, load up this episode, in fact. Of the World Creek Show, and just we put some headphones in and just leave that under the tree as well. Merry Christmas, darling. Oh, is it that necklace I wanted? Something even better. <laughs> it's Tony Kerr going on about airline sponsorship <laughs> for five minutes. Well, before we go, Tone, I've got another festive joke for you. Okay, so it's a Star Wars joke, Tone. You like Star Wars? You, you familiar with the Star Wars film franchise? I'm familiar with it. Okay, so you know the character Darth Vader and the character Luke Skywalker? Yeah. They're, they're chatting. I mean, suspended disbelief at the moment. For the moment, I know they probably wouldn't have been chatting. But um, right, so they're there. Darth Vader says, <laughs> "Oh God, this is <laughs> Luke." I know what Hang on, you're... <laughs> sorry, I know you're a bit way through Jake here. But come on, the airline, the airline bit was better than this. <laughs> anyway, carry on. Sorry. sorry, let me finish the joke thing, for God's sake. Right, I'm going to have to start again now. <laughs> oh, no. Luke. I know what you're getting for Christmas. You're, you're going to you're gonna have to play the part of Luke here, Tony. Come on, so you say, okay. how? How did you know? How did you know? <laughs> Come on, that's good effort. Come on, that's my Mark Hamill. Oh, Jesus Christ. That was amazing. Right. <laughs> I love how, how immediately you whipped out your Mark Hamill impression. This is something that you practice in front of the mirror. You don't right. have to think about it. No. Right, carry on. Anyway, okay. come on, give me the punch now. Okay. I know what you're getting for Christmas. I'm not doing the eye line again. Oh, do I have to do all the parts? How do you know? I sensed your pre- <laughs> That's the wrong word. Wait. <laughs> Listeners should be should be aware that I closed my laptop about ten minutes ago and leave. Which is usually a sign that I'm ready to go. I felt your presence. I'll leave, I'll leave a gap now so, so listeners can laugh. <laughs> that was good. That was a good joke. That, Thanks, I'm sure yeah. that's been on like a Dixon's advert or something. Nah, that's one of mine, mate. That's one of my, <laughs> I've, on that one. I've put it on my uh, the tape that I've sent off to Mock the Week. 
Oh, oh dear, right. we should probably wrap yeah. this up. Yeah. We've said this already. We should probably wrap it up and stick it under the tree. Yeah, there's um, a cracker there, wasn't it? If you like the show, despite what you just <laughs> said right. there. Um, there are all kinds of ways that you can find out more about it. You can check us out on Facebook at facebook.com slash cricket show. Don't forget about the World Cricket Show advent calendar. There's only a couple of days left. But I've got some absolute corkers lined up between now and Christmas Eve. Basically, it's just I'm just posting a YouTube video every day. Something to get too excited Something about. Something for you to look at. It's YouTube videos of people playing cricket, not me doing <laughs> a Star Wars joke yeah. and stuff like that. Um, you can also follow us on Twitter. I can't imagine anything more exciting than that. Hey, Tone, you know when people ask me how to get onto our Twitter, I say, it's very easy. First things first, you'll log in. You'll log in. You'll Sounds log. Good. You'll log. You'll log in. You log in. You can also send us an email if you want, worldcricketshow at gmail.com. Send us your questions for future instalments of Got a Question. If you'd like some free World Cricket Show stickers, just let us know your address and we'll send them out to you. And you could always leave us a review on iTunes if you feel like it. We do really appreciate all of those. And yeah, we'll be back next week. We're going to do our review of the year next week, so be sure to tune in for that. The prestigious Worldie Awards are going to be dished out. But yeah, so that's about it, I think. See you next week, everybody. Have a good Christmas. Oh yeah, absolutely. Don't don't not have a good Christmas. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't miss out. I hope you have a good Christmas, Tone. Yeah, yeah. It means a lot coming from you. Handbag. See you next week. <laughs> Take care, guys. Merry Christmas. Can smell your fear. Are you familiar with the Star Wars Christmas joke? Because I'm going to do it. It's very long and drawn out. It's actually? Yeah. Oh, God. It's not. Okay, here we go. I mean, you've it always been a very sort of change for change sake kind of guy, I feel. What, in cricket? Or right, in every, in walks of life, Absolutely really. not. I, yeah. I hate change. Change, <laughs> change makes me deeply upset. Yeah. First class banter, lads. <laughs> 2012, of course, will be the year that we uh, make a playing return to cricket, isn't it? Will it? Yeah. We've signed up, haven't we? Have we? Well, we have. Have you signed me up for something that I'm not aware of? You, uh, yeah, I've signed you up to a team. Oh, wow. We're going to be playing cricket. So that's something to look forward to for the listeners. Is that it? I thought you, I thought I you actually no thought you had I an amusing anecdote no. for that. You wanted me to riff on it? Yeah. Don't ask me to riff on things, Tony. You know I can't riff. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 